For those who might have uh, joined us late, uh, Lisa introduced me as uh, Larry Bird, which I am, and uh, uh, you might have joined in late and realized that this is not Bill Bagwell preaching this morning. Uh, I'm just a retired United Methodist pastor and affiliated, gladly affiliated with the Pittman Park uh, United Methodist Church here. I guess I ought to say Happy New Year to all of you because uh, this is the first time I've seen any of you, I think, since the first of the year. Uh, come January, I was uh, filling in at different churches and preaching, and then uh, the second Sunday in February was my last Sunday to be asked to fill in, and then after that, a lot of churches started not meeting in person. And uh, so anyway, I'm glad that you're here uh, this morning. Uh, Bill assigned, it, assigned me the scripture for today. Uh, he said, this is what you're going to preach, and uh, this is the scripture for it. Find you a sermon in it. And uh, so I was delighted to do that, and I certainly didn't mind him uh, telling us that. I believe this is a, a series of sermons that he and Jay uh, are preaching uh, during this month. If I had to pull a passage of scripture from that uh, familiar story of Jesus walking on the water and, uh, and all about Peter, I guess it would be verse, 40, uh, verse 26 when it says, and when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So this morning, uh, we take a look at this familiar story of Jesus walking on the water. Now, I know you're saying, well, I've heard this preached before. Uh, perhaps some of you have even taught that in Sunday school. Uh, perhaps some of you have led that in vacation Bible school to the, to the children. So it is a familiar story. But when I preach on this before, I've often focused on Peter's decision to join Jesus on the water. But this morning, however, uh, I really want to take a, a deeper dive, that is literally. I want to take a deeper dive uh, into what the disciples experienced in the way of fear. So our sermon title is, How to Handle Fear, based on this story. A few months ago, actually back in March, the New York City uh, EMC received an average of 6,000 400 medical 911 uh, calls. In fact, uh, that was just in one day in March. It was the highest volume ever recorded in the city, surpassing all the record that was set on September 11, 2001, that that we know as 9-11. Reflecting on that event, that is 9-11, Ten years later was, was uh, a story, or actually a book, published by R.C. Spruill, and he wrote this in there. A full decade has passed since America suffered the tragedy of 9-11. Ten years ago, I reportedly heard the uh, question raised, where was God in all of this? Where was God on 9-11? when the planes crashed in the Twin Towers in New York, in the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and in a field in Shanksville, uh, Pennsylvania. And he says this, 
He said, my answer then was the same as it is now. That God was in the precise place on 9-11 that he was on the day before 9-11 and the day after. He was on his throne then and continues to be on throne. And because he is the Lord God omnipotent, he reigns. He reigns day in and day out, constantly manifesting of his sovereignty. God is unchanging even though people and cultures continually change, end quote. He was, he was writing all that. And so at a time like this of social distancing and, and fear and, and virus, we don't feel God loves us, do we? We feel like that he's changed. We feel like that he's abandoned us, that he is somewhere else out there not paying any attention to what's going on on this earth that he created. And we feel like he has abandoned us. But let me assure you today, as you already know, that God is always there with us, even during this pandemic. He is with us. In our scripture for today, from, from uh, the 14th chapter of Matthew, we see a storm raging on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples are all alone in a boat in the middle of the storm, and they feel abandoned by Jesus. Where is Jesus when I need him? The storm going on and, and, uh, and Jesus acts like that there's nothing happening. Has he abandoned us? The wind is whipping around. They, they look into the dark waters to see a, a human form walking right toward it. And they're terrified. Oh, no. But wait, they said. It looks like Jesus. Maybe Jesus is concerned about us being out here in this boat. But unsure but hopeful of what, his, what he sees. Peter then shouts out over the storm, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the waters. And Jesus said, come, come. Peter obeys Jesus who is within his reach. Peter takes that step of obedience. That step means leaving the apparent safety of the boat and taking that step of obedience. That step was toward the one who can calm all their fears, the disciples and Peter's fears, but the one who calms all of our fears as well. Fear. Fear. It's something which strikes not only our lives, but it strikes our faith journey as well. Fear seems to be a part of our human experience because you don't get far into God's Word before you realize that fear is raising its ugly head. And in the circumstances of life, we either operate on fear or we operate on faith. And every one of us has our own fears. Maybe you're afraid of losing your job or losing your health or, or your finances. And the list goes on and on, and you can remind yourself of what it is that you're fearful of. For all of us have things that cause us some fear. But today's passage starts with Jesus urging his disciples to get in the boat, boat and leave. And he dismissed the crowd so that he could go alone and start praying. Jesus sent the apostles across the uh, sea of Galilee in a boat which had sails and, and a few oars. 
the wind on the Sea of Galilee can, can get pretty strong, as I learned when we crossed the Sea of Galilee when I was over there uh, touring the Holy Land. Some of you have been and maybe took that boat tour across the Sea of Galilee. But you see, the, the, the disciples were struggling at this point. Among, uh, about midnight, verse 25 tells us, that they see Jesus walking on the water, and they're convinced that it's an evil spirit. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus says, as he says to us frequently, if, if we will just listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Have no fear. It is I. Now, Mark's gospel adds one more tidbit to that. He said that Jesus, Mark records that Jesus saw the difficulty that they were in. It doesn't necessarily explain that in, in uh, Matthew's gospel. But Mark adds that, that Jesus saw the predicament they were in. Now, how could he have seen a small boat tossed on a, 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 a the, the the lake, a mile away, in the pitch dark. I think this is a detail that, uh, Bill, that I've never seen in this story before, as I have read it and, and studied and perhaps even preached it, that Jesus saw the disciples from where he was. This also reveals, folks, I believe, of who Jesus really is. That Jesus is not just a mere mortal, although he was fully human, but he is God, the second entity of, of the Trinity. He is, he is Jesus. He's all human and he's all God. And he can see in our darkness. He can see where we are in our troubles. And even though he seems to be far away doing something else, he can see us through all of the darkness and all of the frustration and the fears and, and doubts that we have going on in our life. The disciples could not see that Jesus saw them. And so they struggled on. But Peter, never one to ignore an opportunity to show his impulsiveness, asked Jesus to summon him to his side. And Jesus simply says, come. That's all he spoke. Come. It's only in this gospel that Peter's response to Jesus is told. If it was really Jesus, then, then Peter wanted to walk out to him. Jesus bid him to come as he was, as he was walking out uh, into the water, onto the water. And Peter begins to walk toward Jesus, but, but the wind is still strong and his, and his faith was not firm. And you know the story, he goes down on the earth and begins to see to drown, but, but Jesus grabs his hand and, and pulls him up and begins to chide Peter and says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Are we at that point in our life, in our situation today? Are we still doubting that, that Jesus is with us or can see uh, things that's going on in our life? Do we doubt that God is still in control of the universe and, and of the virus and, and everything else that's going on in our world and in our nation? The water, which is never firm, sucked down Peter and, 
And Peter cried out, Master, save me. Master, save me. Haven't you cried that already over the past several months? Master, save us. Save this world you created from destruction. Save us. Save me. Give me more faith. They all fell before Jesus. The disciples were beside themselves and they confessed him to be the Son of God when they saw him. Who else could have ever done this? Slowly and, and surely the disciples were becoming aware, aware of the person of Jesus. Their faith is strengthened. They came close to our Lord and believed in him. And even here, for the first time, they professed that he was the Son of God. Where's our faith? An amazing twist here is, is that the disciples wavered whether they should worship Jesus or not. I mean, it's, it's interesting, uh, the word doubted. Uh, the word doubted here is, is the same Greek word that Jesus spoke when, he trans, uh, when Jesus uh, spoke to Peter, which he translated waver. Now, you get the connotation, if you want to, between the waves and Peter and the disciples wavering, if you want to. But there are only two occurrences of the word in the entire New Testament. And we see a connection here. In this case, another connection between these two passages is that they worshiped him. What are the implications of the resurrection? The fact that he stood alive before them is, is every bit of a miracle than, than uh, that walking on the water is. It says something about the person of Jesus. That we must not waver on this. If Jesus was a mere man, then he is not to be worshipped. Are you with me? You understand that? Are you understanding? If Jesus was just a mere man, he is not to be worshipped. If he was a mere man, then he really cannot see the disciples afar off in the small boat, in the dark. If Jesus is a mere man, then he really cannot see us afar off and care for us and relieve us of our fears. So I believe that you believe in Jesus today. I believe that you know him and you're here to worship him today. I believe that you know him as your Savior. And in knowing him, then you have no fear about what's going on in your life and in the world. But if Jesus actually rose from the dead, there's some more important, more important ramifications. That this Jesus has to be God. And this means that, that he can care for us. He can reduce our fear. He can transform into to the person that he intends us to be. And this means that we too shall rise from the dead, folks. We too shall be reunited with him. We too shall be safely reaching the other shore when we have that kind of faith in the man and in the God we call Jesus. Jesus had a powerful lesson to teach his disciples. Jesus had a powerful lesson to teach Peter on that night on the Sea of Galilee. 
And straightway Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Have no fear. The thing that struck me about this, folks, is when you read Scripture, that every time someone encounters an angel, what was the first thing the angel said? You remember in some of your Scripture lessons? Fear not. The angel says, fear not. The devil wants us to be fearful. The devil wants all of his... Uh, God's people, God's Christians, God's followers, uh, to be fearful. Why? Because fear cannot coexist with faith. You understand that? That's your takeaway today. Fear cannot coexist with faith. If you fear, then may I say that we don't have the kind of faith that we need? Plain and simple. So that's why Jesus said in, in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 14, My peace I leave with you. My peace I leave with you. And when he did that, he's telling us that we have no reason to fear under any circumstances. Under any circumstances, I ask. And so you get a negative report about your health. You don't have any reason to fear. We can access that peace that, that Jesus gave us. Uh, are, you, are you with me today? When we get bad reports from, from our doctor or whatever, we don't need to be fearful about that because you know God's got this thing. When you have a mind that's full of fear, you'll not be able to make a decision based on God's Word. You understand? Let me say that again. When you have a mind that's full of fear, you can't make any decisions that's based on God's Word. We can only do that when we allow the peace that Jesus has given us to dominate our emotions. When our minds then are at peace, then we're able to think this. What do I need to do according to God's Word? What is my next step? So I get bad news about anything. What is my next step? What do I need to do according to the Word of God? And when your mind is fearful, you're not thinking about the promises of God's Word. If you look again at verse 25, if you might, uh, 29, if you have your Bible open, Jesus said, come. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came to Jesus. Now you've heard that story. You've heard it read. You know the story. But let's think about this. What is it that God showed Jesus? What did God show Jesus? He showed him and the disciples and how they were struggling to see with that broistering wind that everything was in an upheaval. But notice something else. Jesus had to step out of the boat and get onto the water. Now, there are books written about that. Uh, get out of the boat or step out of the boat or, or step in the water or, or whatever. There, there are plenty of books and articles written about that. But you notice what D Jesus did. He got out of the boat. Jesus said, come. 
when Peter got out. How, how many of you had, have you been, uh, how many of you had, you been like Peter? Would have asked Jesus to let you walk with him on the water? I, I, I just, I wonder, was, was that a rational question? Was that a rational question? No. Not to the rational mind. It's different than, than seeing a swimming pool and, and seeing how calm the water is on, on a swimming pool. And you can see the bottom. But listen, you don't, you don't see the bottom when you're out in the middle of a sea and it's dark after midnight in the night. But that's Peter. And I can see the other disciples rolling their eyes and shaking their heads saying he's going to die <laughs> he's going to die and when he saw the wind boisterous he was a, he was afraid and beginning to sink and he cried out lord save us save us did peter actually see the wind no he didn't see the wind he saw the waves crushing all over the place. He saw the results of the wind blowing at high speed. And verse 31 says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him, and said unto him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? While we may struggle, uh, chuckle a little bit as Peter, uh, having little faith, Think about the disciples who were still in the boat. Now, Peter had a little bit of faith. Peter was the spokesperson of the disciples. He was the, he was the, the chairman of all of them. He was in control of all, of all the disciples. And he had a little bit of faith. The disciples stayed in the boat. Peter got out of the boat. Listen, whenever someone teaches on this passage, the focus always seems to be on Peter. But Peter, folks, of, of all the disciples, had enough faith to get out of the boat. My point is this. In our lives, we have all the boats that we're in, and, and there comes a time when, when we have to step out of that situation. We have to step out of that boat to put our faith to the test so that God can use us. A boat could be anything. For some folks, uh, it could be a financial stress every single month. If this happens to you, then, and, and, and you're saying, God, I've done everything I know to do about my situation, and it isn't changing. And then it's time for you to get out of the boat. It's time for you to do something else. Become a little active with, with why you're living from paycheck to paycheck. Because until you get out of the boat and begin to confess what Paul says in Philippians, for my God shall supply all my need according to his riches, uh, you're going to be in that boat. You're going to remain in, in that situation. And that's what I mean about, about getting out of the boat. You, you begin to do something that, that doesn't make sense just like Peter did. It didn't make sense for Peter just to step out of that boat on the water. What does not make sense to most people and some Christians 
is that you see us focusing on and declaring God's word over the situation. We Christians do that. We declare and claim God's word over any situations. Sometimes we may seem to be all alone at night in a storm at sea. Maybe you're feeling that now. Maybe you're in that situation this morning. When we are tossed by waves of temptation and doubt, Jesus comes to us in the midst of a dark night and he calms the waters. Jesus had to teach Peter a lesson. And I like what it says in verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? I like that verse. But you know what happened after that? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. But best of all, those who were in the boat, all the disciples, they came and worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When we acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God and say to him, I confess to you, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You're the second entity of, of the three-part trinity. And yes, I'm here to, to worship you. Conquering fear is, is not a matter of personal determination. It's a dependence on, on the God who we can trust and love. In Christ, we can conquer our fear. Conquering your fear all begins with having a personal relationship with Jesus. Conquering your fear is having a personal relationship with Jesus that gives you the more faith. I trust that before you leave here today, that you will have that personal relationship with Jesus. And if you don't feel like that you have that first personal relationship with Jesus, then I'll talk with you after the service today or you can make an appointment with Bill or Jay and talk with them about your faith journey to make sure that your faith is strong enough to overcome any fear that you might have in your life. St. Paul expresses it in this way in another passage. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not even our fears. If you have that assurance today, then deep down in your heart, your faith will help you overcome those fears. May God give us the faith that we need to make our journey of faith strong because He's walking right beside us. Amen.